Good to uh, seeing you, Greg. Uh, it's great to be back out in the land of fruits and nuts. You know. I'm perfectly happy to get to get people to think that it's this is a horrible place that you right. don't want to live because right. it keeps people from coming out and logging up the freeways. Exactly. Well, <laughs> if uh, we could all teleport to where we wanted to go, believe me, I'd be living here in a flash. Really? You like it out here? I love it out here. The yeah. weather's cool. The people are cool. The traffic sucks. Traffic alone keeps me away. future for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about... Radio Mysterioso. Although I'm going to be spending more and more time out here, I have a feeling. Uh, well, big, a big announcement, big announcement. You heard it here first. Uh, you know, I, I would, would not do this on any other show, Greg. You know me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I've known you for a long time. Yeah, you have. But, but you know how I can be. Uh, you know, I feel it's time to kind of move on and, and really create a new chapter in my my particular process personally um i just feel that that the last 10 years have been uh, pretty interesting for me personally and the last three years have been very um um very difficult for me uh, on a personal level losing my brother my only real family and having some serious you know quitting smoking and having some serious serious health issues that i've had yeah you and, came back from that trip with david and you had some like kind of lung problem or infection or what was it well i caught i, had, I caught something that triggered off my uh my bronchitis uh, right. i caught it in thailand with uh, Dave Childers, right? With David and Jen, and and uh, my my dear friend Susan, who came, and you know, people said, "Well, who'd you vote for?" And I said, "I didn't vote for anybody." They said, "What do you mean?" I said, "I was on, that was furthest away on the planet physically, the furthest away I could get as a human being from the United States on election day." And so I, I went to Bangkok, Thailand, which is about as far away from here as you can get, 21 hours away. So uh, that's where I was when uh, when when all you Americans and, and I think you call you elect uh, elected Trump. I think that's what you call it, right? You still got choice, right? So anyway, uh, to make a long story short, uh, yeah, I did. I contracted some nasty thing on that freaking 21 hour flight and uh let's see i got back the end of november and by january i was in the hospital for a week and the prior year um i had died <laughs> that's enough to kind of make you want to reassess your priorities um yeah i actually died for five minutes and uh so anyway to get to, to the point of your question, I am starting my own dang radio show. Good for you. Yeah, I'm going to do do my own with a, a co-host, a co uh, my, my very, my, my latest dear friend, Ted Bonnet, um, who has... Uh, oh, Ted's going to do it with you. That's Ted, Ted and I are going to do a show, and uh, 
Ted's been a broadcaster in and out of the the, the biz for many years. Extremely bright. Um, he's got UFO Grid, which is a searchable uh, OEM, I believe, is the term searchable website with over five thousand articles about UFOs. We're looking into getting Lou Ferris's UFO news clipping service scanned, um, in. scanned in and searchable. I think David Marler may or may not be involved in that effort. If not, David Perkins is. I'll he see you in a couple all. of weeks. I'll ask David about yeah, that. Yeah, Marler. Yeah, yeah, Marler. Well, I'll see and, both and, of them. Yeah, you're going to see them both. The three of you should get together, man. That would be, oh, I, I would be jealous. Well, maybe I'll drive him up to Santa Fe and see if there we can hang go. out. We can go out to Pasquale's, my favorite restaurant in Santa Fe. I mean, just walking through David's library, you're going to be like yeah. in awe. Which one? Both. Yeah, exactly. I've well, seen Dave Marler's library. David Perkins' library, too. Yeah. Was... So that means you quit the Paracast. Uh... <laughs> you said you're going to do your own show. Yeah, I am. I am going to do my own show. Um, I did not quit the Paracast. What I did was I decided to uh, end my relationship with uh, a certain co-host that uh, is on the Paracast. Let's put it that way. I, I love the Paracast, what it means, the idea of it. Um, I also own half of it, but it's like damaged goods. Uh, I'm, I, I will not return to ever to the show again. No, okay. yeah, people. Were, maybe as that a, was a question know. a couple people had asked. Yeah. It's like, well, what is Chris doing with it? Because we never actually no, heard any. No, no, you heard it here first. All right, you heard it here first. I, I, I would actually. There was no other show that I would make this announcement on, but yours, Greg. Thank you. No, I am. I'm done. I just can't. I can't. I can't support that so so yeah uh, that was my final straw I, I just you know I'm moving on Ted and I are going to do a half an hour show okay. half an hour see this is good this is the yeah. podcasting's moving into like yeah. this short we're, thing. we are going to do half hour shows but we're going to have cliffhangers uh, people will be tuning in for the kind of things that we're going to be doing a lot of it's going to be just commenting on you know what's going on you know, in, in, in the culture, especially in the realm, you know, the, 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 the far, farther reaches uh, of the outside of the realm uh, of understanding. Obviously, we're going to be out, out there, as the name of the show would suggest. But um, we're not going to hold anything back. I mean, Ted and I have got an interesting repartee and... I think it's going to be a lot of fun to bounce some ideas yeah. off. Uh, does anybody know uh, who's Ted for people who don't know? Ted, Ted Bonnet is um, is someone who I've I've known for since two thousand three. Um, Ted's very good friends with Zach Van Eck. Uh, Zach Van Eck is some of your probably many of your listeners know. Zach was the one that wrote the original Skinwalker Ranch articles that alerted Bigelow. There was this weird place in Utah, and that, uh, you know, the rest is history. He contacted uh, Terry Sherman, the rancher, and bought the ranch. Well, before Zach released <laughs> the, the articles, I was introduced to him through a mutual friend, uh, David Perkins, uh, who we were just talking about before. Um, Zach was turned on to my work in the San Luis Valley, asked me to contact Terry Sherman, so before the article came out, I was able to get a clear, unfettered, pristine look at um, probably one of the finest and most important cases ever in the history of the paranormal, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, everybody knows about Skinwalker Ranch, uh, but very few people really have a sense of what it was like before all the publicity started and all the myth-making and meme propagation and stuff. So... Basically, you know, the bottom line, I guess, would be um, Ted has been in and out of the Uinta Basin for 20, 25 years. They're very good friends with Zach. They were writing a screenplay on the ranch, but they didn't have an ending. So the screenplay never got finished. So that, that's how I met Ted. And we've kept in, in, in contact ever since then. And he has UFO Grid, which is one of the largest databases that's searchable by terms. So you can go in there and you can search a term that's located in any of these five, I think 6,000 articles that he's got there. And uh, we've got ideas about apps that are gonna tune into that, be part of the 
part of the travel quality of the uh, podcast. It's going to be very... We're going to go to a place and visit it and really look at what's going on, let's say, uh, in the western, southwestern part of the Ozarks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be kind of a geographically based thing uh, in a lot of ways. And so... What, the podcast? The podcast, yeah. well, the whole idea of Out There is going to be... Okay. It's going to be very regionally oriented, and Zach is going to be is is the chief writer, who is a very very good writer, and and I'm going to be kind of riding herd on research and coming up with who to talk to in what particular area, and slowly it's going to branch out. It's going to start in North America, but it's going to branch out. We're going to, you know, go, you know, Western Hemisphere, and then yeah, and it, it'll spread. You got, Once well, well people are going to get involved, and they're going to want to talk about their areas. We're to say, hey, if you think you live in a hotspot area, send us something that shows us, you know, clicks clicks a couple of buttons in our you know red flag department and yeah. gets, gets us looking there. So it's it's going to be fun. We're going to keep it short. So it's going to be regionally based, not personality based. Well, it's going to be personality. I mean, it's, but but you you will you consider the region and you consider the area exactly. It's it's the personality within that particular region. Um, that's how we ideally see it. Now we're also talking about Ted taking off with a 360 VR camera, and you know, you know, a nice, you know, camper van, and we're gonna send him out, and he's gonna be doing road stuff, and I'm gonna be kind of anchoring the thing back home. Oh, okay. So, so, so we have some travelogue, sort of Charles Kuralt, uh This yeah. sounds like a whole um, well, uh, environment. It is. It is. It's going to be not video. just a podcast. It's going to be a podcast. Like kind of environment. It's going to be an app that shows you know people are going to be able to go. He has an incredible IT guy. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a complete database that's searchable. Uh, that's going to show up uh, as you're driving through a state or a part of the world. It's going to it's going to be popping up saying, "Hey, in five miles, check what ha- you know what happened in, in 1948." Yeah. Yeah. So, here is here is a geolog. I want to know where the Pascagoula thing happened. Okay, here's the closest you can get. Yeah, here's a exactly. you're on Highway 10. It's exactly. right here at this exactly. exit. Exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. It's going to be totally searchable and totally interactive. And UFO Grid is is kind of you know at the, at the that's sort of ground central for for the for the data. And then the apps will be referred back to that. And then of course the the podcasts and the the on the road show or the out there show with Ted Bonnet. That is going to be something that will be. Everything's going to be feeding everything else information, and yeah, and and uh, and everything's going to lead back to UFO Grid, and that's why we really, you know, we poor Ted. He contacted those those guys in Sweden that are trying to scarf up every bit of of archived UFO data on the planet, and they say that it's going to be searchable and all that, but it's not. Those guys don't want to work with anybody. I mean, they they're greedy. They they think they're going to be able to monetize this. Is that the archives for the unexplained people, or is this somebody else? Well, the the guys in Sweden, whoever they are, um, and I, I contacted them once, and you know, <laughs> I'm surprised they even answered me back. They took the time to like go, well, who the hell are you? It's like, well, you didn't even have to answer me back if you had to ask, you know. <laughs> well, why'd you even answer me if you didn't know? You know, is this gonna? It's the. Uh, uh, this project with Ted, what's it called? I'm sorry, UFO. Out there. Oh, out there. Is it somehow hooked in with the camera project, or is that just going to be just part of just well, one of the episodes? I wanted yeah, to ask yeah, you. Exactly. The point of this was exactly. to ask you. Some of this was exactly. to ask you about the San Luis Cal- uh, camera project. Well, yeah, that's a whole that's a whole conversation, um, <laughs> which the, we are having a big a big conversation. Um, well, actually. We want to start the whole thing and do it ourselves and then have somebody really like it. Maybe, you know, hopefully it goes, you know, it gets popular and, you know, goes viral because it is really a kind of a new step forward, I think, in the way that these subjects are covered in an all-encompassing sort of all, just all-inclusive way. I mean, how many other shows have podcasts that's feeding uh, information for a a show where you have somebody with a 360 camera going out into the environment, actually looking and reading about and, and interacting with actual experiencers. Um, and then all that's being tied into 
an app that allows you to go to those places too and be aware of the kinds of things that we'll be talking about. With a very good writer, uh, Zach Van Eck, is a, you know, a very good writer. If you go back to that original Skinwalker Ranch article, the two-parter, that's Zach. You know, he's very, very good at what he does. So there's a really good team in place, and that to me is way more exciting than what I've been doing for the past ten years. Getting back to your original question, um, you know, the old school way of doing things with long two-hour shows, and it's just, you know, I, I don't see it as a viable model uh, for imparting information to people that are 18 and 35, mm-hmm. um, and they're the ones that really that we need to be uh, talking to. The baby boomers, um, they've been convinced for years, they're just trying to convince each other that see each other that they're convinced um, <laughs> it's some weird feedback loop and there's man I noticed and I, I this is something okay now I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble here oh, you're always getting in trouble I'm go right def- ahead definitely gonna get in trouble saying this Greg especially in this me too generation or this me too period we're in but I'm telling you when I saw this Emery Smith guy David Wilcox new uh, new sensation I don't even know who this is. I'm yeah, not even paying yeah. attention. Well, there's a lot of people that are. I could not believe all the middle-aged, recently divorced suburban women lined up waving money going, I, I want this good-looking, muscle-bound kind of workout sort of dude. I want his. He came out like a rock star. He was like doing his rocky thing, jumping around like rocky. What? <laughs> Yes. You'll see. We had contact in the desert, man. Oh, my oh God. David Wilcox presents Emery Smith. See, I, was, I, I, you, uh, you, there's, there's people I know that want to get all upset about that, but to me, it's just a joke. It's, it's funny. funny. Yeah, it's funny. I, it, you know, I couldn't. Oh, who is it. this guy? And what is? I don't know. He, he, what is he? He's uh, something about autopsies. He's a medical guy. It's like. I I really you know God um, I don't know how to even say this but man I I really I felt that there's some serious problems in the uh, so-called UFO kind of new age community if those two <laughs> terms should ever those twain shall meet that particular community is very very troubling there's a lot of dysfunction going on and a lot of people making a lot of money it's did they do pretty well in contact they must have because they moved from um you know from mental physics to this nice indian wells resort dude let me put it this way when the head of the whole organization is busting her ass riding on dvds because they ran out of labels <laughs> and the, and we're talking hey it was me bro i was the one mastering the freaking things i know the quality that we were actually throwing at, at the whole thing. I mean, they went from taking chips out of cameras and putting them into duplicators on site with no titling, no anything, no editing, no anything, no. checking levels. That, that's how they used to market their yeah. thing. Well, these, I mean, these, you know, okay, maybe they had stick-on labels. They weren't, you know, laser-printed, you know, CDs. But I'm telling you, man, I was I was the guy that was in charge of putting, you know, the, the quality content, getting the audio levels right, cutting the thing at the right moment, having consistent title plates, having consistent um, audio levels, and and a question, you know, these vibrating platforms that they have for, you know, when you really zoomed in on somebody. I mean, there was some obvious production quality issues that you would have at any event because of the the crappy platforms that these guys had the cameras set on. You, yeah. you would get some vibration along, you know, when you're trying to zoom in. But compared to what they used to have, and at 10 bucks a shot, 10 bucks a video, 40, where they were doing um, $50 for eight, I think. Um, no, but it, did it look like the place that, that it was... Are they, there more people? They more? ran out of DVDs, yeah. uh, I think. I, I wasn't there but at that point. At that, you know, I'm trying to figure out if they're like they're building and building and becoming probably no, big, bigger yeah. than UFO Congress. And mm, yeah, they're definitely up there. If uh, you know, I don't know anything. I'm not an accountant. I don't know uh, 
you know, who's making what, but there were big stacks of cash going back into, like, satchels and stuff. Uh, with, uh, there was six, the 7,000 times 10, I mean, do the math, they, they probably, you know, I don't know, but it, it looked like at least seventy, eighty, possibly up to a hundred thousand dollars was generated in uh, from DVD DVD sales. Yeah, yeah. alone. And it was, uh, you know, the, I would go out there. I would, I would like be totally freaked out. I was, I'm in the back room with six computers, right? I'm mastering this stuff. I'm getting the chips. I'm throwing them into Premiere. You know, putting in the title plate, making sure the levels are good, and doing a good dissolve to the intro. You know, cut ten minutes of fucking these people that think there's somebody introducing somebody, you know, 10 minutes later, I'm all the way down the timeline and this fucker's still talking, you know? And I cut right in right when the speaker started, right? Try to keep our file sizes down. Richard Dolan, six times it took to get because his talk was so long and we just, for some reason, that was the record. Uh, Laura Eisenhower, <laughs> she was five times and I, I, every time I did it, I said, this is not worth it. We're spending too much time on this person, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm really, I'm really proud, man. I mean, we're talking 57 hours and four days. I work, yeah. and uh, you know, for a 61 year old guy, that's. I mean, even even Ron, who's the only person that's ever hired and fired me twice in one day, um, he, <laughs> even he admitted that, uh, you know. There were a couple of people that really kicked ass, and you were one of them. Huh. So, uh, anyway, it was fun. I was a standby speaker. They forgot they had some Yahoo come in for AJ Gavard, and then they had this Corey, not Corey Good, but this uh, Emery Smith do the other AJ talk. I was ready to go. I talked to the you know the speaker coordinator, and oh yeah, I'm, I'm now a hero around there. So. If I don't speak there again, I will probably have to hire a bunch of people to, to, to help me with a class action suit. Because, man, I, I was way above the call of duty on this one. Hey, you want another beer, dude? Sure, why not? I did want to ask you about the camera project. You were just showing me the uh, oh, yeah. uh, software guide explaining the... Uh, yeah, oh, man, exciting Thank stuff. you. Well, Greg, we've been talking about it for years, um, but we're finally getting it done. Uh, Ron Olch, our uh, Disney animation guy, um, worked at, I think, what did he say, Teledyne. He's, he's worked at some cool places, been really into the science of detecting uh, and, I guess, establishing the reality of ufological events. I mean, that's been his focus as an engineer for uh, since the 70s. Well, we were very lucky to meet him. He has designed um, a Raspberry Pi-based uh, system that will manage data collection, basically, on two that, plugs. That's a, that's a software, that's like an OS, right? Uh, correct. In other words, uh, it's all based in, in Linux. It's written in Python. And um, what, what we're doing is we're allowing um, plugged-in instrumentation uh, to record uh, all, all sorts of parameters of scientific information, whether it's magnetometer, a gravitometer, uh, accelerometers uh, for speeding up the process for us to be able to, you know, a lot of this stuff is beyond my pay grade. Thank God I don't have to design all this stuff. But anyway, with magnetometers, gravitometers, uh, electromagnetic uh, detection equipment that's amplified with, um, um, you know, the package that we have on the uh, International Space Station it has the accel accelerometers, the the uh, temperature controls, uh, and and readouts, and and also humidity. Ah. We'll probably have wind speed, barometric pressure, barometric um, pressure, yeah. exactly. Um, so it's a whole package of detection equipment that sits in a box that's about eight, eight inch by eight inch by eight inch um, on top of a sturdy tripod and in some cases uh, several cases actually mounted on towers um, like cell towers 
um, but this box has all this instrumentation in it, um, along with, uh, you know, the software, the link to the software package online that allows the camera to pan and tilt and, and, and swing around and zoom and do all the things we need it to do to detect uh, unexplained aerial events. So the Hasdalen project, which would be the closest equivalent, if you will, uh, has been going on since the mid-80s in Norway. It's been a single camera with a single instrumentation package, so they're only able to um, really determine a more two-dimensional sense of what they're dealing with in a three-dimensional space. Now, with two cameras and then three cameras, we'll be able to triangulate, so not only will we be able to determine you know, distance, uh, altitude, uh, all the things that go into a triangulated uh, system, we'll also have the kinds of capabilities to determine changes in the Earth's gravitational field, any changes in, in uh, the magnetic field. Um, we're planning on having a slaved platform that will get coordinate data from an all-sky cam, which is a camera that can see the entire sky with a fisheye lens. When an event happens and triggers certain set parameters of um, something unusual, then that quadrant data, each one of those pixels, um, is emitting a stream of data. So that will be sent across the internet to the other cameras to all swing around and focus in on that event. So no one's ever done this before, and it's uh, it's really exciting. Anybody who knows anything about science uh, realizes the ultimate goal is to you know state a hypothesis and then replicate whatever results that you're able to 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 gain from your experiment. So if we're able to replicate data, in other words, have an event happen, anticipate you know and and hypothecate you know certain results from that event in terms of our ability to gather information about scientific information about that event if we can then demonstrate that again and possibly a third time we could write ourselves a freaking dynamite paper whether it's an optical physicist whether I mean there's a variety of scientific disciplines that we can uh, go in and actually have uh, peer-reviewed papers written which to me is the only logical step forward now in the field now that we have become inundated with confabulators, people that are meme propagators, uh, people coming forward and filling in the blanks on three other hoaxers' stories. Now they're starting to, you know, piggyback their story on top of piggyback stories, and we have this religious tinged narrative that's being created by these uh, personalities in the field. And Greg, I I don't have a lotion that will take away. <laughs> the itch and the, the, the irritation that I feel from these types of people and most importantly from the the American pubic, uh, the, all these people that are suspending their disbelief and buying into this bullshit. I mean... What do you have, when you get this data, what do you think you're going to... Has anybody hypothesized what you could do? What you would gain from the data, what you could see from that data, it's, except that it's not something mundane. Yeah, or is that no, the point? No, no, we'll be able to analyze um, you know, sources of energy, we'll be able to analyze um, you know, processes uh, converting that energy, uh, we'll be able to um, ascertain performance uh, you know, parameters, you mm -hmm. know, to what degree can an object 30 feet defy all gravity and do a right angle turn at 10,000 miles an hour. We'll be able to determine the effect of that process in, in, the, in the gravitational field, in the magnetic field, uh, in, the, in the energetic, uh, if it's within a close enough proximity, we'll be able to totally analyze the energetics of something like that. And, and scientifically, you can, you know, the one guy that really impressed me this week at the... Uh, contact in the desert is somebody that I, I watched I was involved videotaping last year but I, I was on, on the camera not in the hot seat so I was listening to the presentation this guy's figured out the mass of a proton is that the guy with the uh, the, the Arabic name guy? yeah Nassim yeah. Haramin okay. he's the real deal this guy's a mind blower 
<laughs> I mean, he is. I, I'm not that smart. I'm not that smart of a guy, but I know a lot about you know, a little bit yeah, about a lot of I things. Can, I can listen to yeah. people and, and get a sense of what they're saying. Yeah, and then when somebody says, you know, and explains how they were able to figure out the mass of a proton, and then show how that information just allows you effortlessly to figure out so many things. Um, that's impressive to me. Um, and and I, I would say out of all the people that spoke, you know, based on what I know about their work, all the people that spoke Nassim would be head, head and shoulders above everybody. Um, he's that impressive. Mm. He's an amazing guy. He's a sweetheart. When do the cameras go in? And the instrumentation yeah. and the, the the instrumentation going along. Yeah, with right now Ron Ron is done. He's about ninety eight percent done with with the triangulation. What we're doing now, he's on vacation. Uh, he really deserves it. He's, I mean, the guys. Ron who? Ron Olch, the guy, the engineer okay. who built the system and and and, and designed and wrote the uh, software. You know, detect motion. Uh, motion tracking and, and record on motion that software basically what we need to do now is he's been using uh, triangulation algorithms with a camera on one window of his house and a camera on another window we need more parallax we need the cameras further apart mm -hmm. so we have a perfect situation here where we're sitting a hundred feet above the ocean in, in San Pedro this wonderful location it's just a totally gorgeous spot uh, the home of MUFON TV. <laughs> uh, uh, we have a, a doctor friend who's just up the coast here, about a quarter mile, but he's not 100 feet above the above the, the ocean like we are. He's all the way down on the beach. So we have a perfect, um, you know, perfect textbook uh, alignment for two cameras out of sight of one another to be able to be independently calibrated for the triangulation software that's now being tweaked. So this is where for probably a couple of weeks we'll have the cameras um, the, the triangulation software uh, tweaked and then we'll probably for a week or two we'll put the instrumentation with the magnetometers, the gravitometers and all the all the scientific uh, monitoring and sensing gear then we'll, we'll calibrate all that gear based on what we know about the optical calibration then as soon as that's done, well, actually, as soon as the initial calibration is done and we put the instrumented packages here, I'm going to pull the plug on a GoFundMe um, project. And I'm going to get about sixty dollars to $80,000. $70,000 is what we're shooting for. But I'd like somewhere between sixty and 80000 so that I can then buy the rest of the gear, you know, pay people to have cameras there, mm -hmm. pay them to monitor, pay for the internet space, pay to have the website, you know, um, polished, um, and, and set up all my... You mean, you mean throw the switch, not pull the plug? Meaning you, you'll, you'll offer this so that you can get... Well, pull, pull the trigger. Trigger, that's pull it. Pull the I'm trigger, sorry. Yeah, yeah, not pull the plug. Pull the trigger. <laughs> well, pull the plug on all the bullshit that's gone up until now. The only way that I'm going to get this done is if I'm there, people are being paid, and I'm looking at my watch. I mean, that's I, I literally have to do that. I, I, How automatic is the system? Once it's up, oh my God! I mean, it's, you showed me a little yeah. bit. I mean, it, well, it's got it's, motion tracking. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's not let's not forget. We're going to have they have this wonderful you know scientific equipment, but it's going to be streaming live to an internet site, and so people can tune in. And when an event happens, a little map's going to show up on the screen, and it's going to be a map of the San Luis Valley, and there's going to be a little blinking dot, and that little dot. If you're in the San Luis Valley, you can run outside if it's where you live, and you can grab your video camera, and you could literally point it up above you if it's in the right spot, and, and film, you know, and have an additional perspective on the, on the site, you know, in terms of documenting it. You know, two cameras, three cameras is great, but to have somebody right there. And yeah, yeah. So it's going to be an alert that's going to alert people. And basically, it's going to be on autopilot. It's going to be at low res, just kind of going through its routine, back and forth, changing between cameras. But as soon as something happens, we go into high def. We go into in, from standard def. We go into high def. Then boom, the camera system will start recording. 
uh, you know, the bounding box, the targeting box will appear around the object. Uh, we're recording two versions, one with all the information on the screen, and then one just a pure screen with a time code. All this stuff is all time coded to the wazoo, atomic clock, blah, blah. Then we're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and document the event, and then once we decide, based on the parameters, that the event is over, in the meantime, we have all been sent, you know, a certain amount of people have been sent emails, an event has occurred. So we're going to be alerted to the event, regardless yeah. of the time. Mm -hmm. So um, out of the people that are selected to be alerted, and I'd love you to be one of them. It would be great, Greg, to have you on the alert list. Sure, I'll be on the It'd list. It would be fun, fun to, to do. And then once we then... I'd be honored. <laughs> well, it would be great. At the end of the day, if we had a bunch of things happening, we could have a conference call and people going, well, what do you think? You yeah. know, what do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? This is going to allow us to cut to the chase so we don't have to sit there and try to monitor 24-7 all this activity because we have record on motion, you know, record on event data. Then that's going to allow us to be way more efficient. Obviously, we're going to have false positives. We're going to have birds that act weird. Swallows probably are, are notorious, I think, will become notorious. Cliff and barred swallows because they, they can do such right-angle turns. So that might trigger recording. But at yeah, hours, you know, something going at a normal pace across the sky, which is you said you would be hooked in with. Um, well, we're going to be uh, with flight aware. Yeah, flight aware so is going to factor all that. In. Yeah, it's like oh, this is moving across the sky. Yeah, beep yeah. beep beep. Oh, that's flight five seven three. Mm -hmm. You know, American going across yeah, the yeah. valley right now. And and static lights in the shot, like if we know exactly the place of lights in the town. Yeah, you know, at the bottom of of, of the the bottom third of the image. They're all going to be um, taken in, into an account and masked out in terms of any any data flow. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really exciting. Uh, no one's ever done it. Um, it's 12 years we've been working on this. Uh, MUFON OC uh, has been very, very instrumental in uh, helping uh, channel very generous donations from uh, MUFON members that have been channeled through the 501c3. Um, and then disperse uh, through MUFON to us. And, and MUFON has actually, um, you know, pledged some of their own money to help get equipment and, uh, and to help pay Ron for his hundreds and hundreds of hours. I mean, the guy's, you know, a seasoned top shelf professional. And he's been doing this all as, as, a, as a passion, you know, it's the love of the thing. And they've been barely paying for the gear. <laughs> so, yeah. So anyway, it's, you know, we've all been doing our part, and uh, Wayne Hollenbeck, of course, uh, is the chief kind of visionary. Uh, Wayne, uh, how would I put this, has a, a legal background for writing very um, classified contracts for um, classified materials acquisitions by aerospace companies. That's kind of what was his forte, is writing the contracts. So he's been kind of in and out of a classified world as well, which is great because, you know, people say, well, Chris, you know the government's going to zap this thing. There's no way it's ever going to be allowed to operate. No, they're not. And they're going to tap off of it and get to gather the data themselves. Right. Exactly. And they're going to try to fool us to see if we can pick up what's them and what's what's not. I think. Yeah, gonna, you did mention this yeah, to me. Yeah, I think they're going to try that. I mean, they were, why, they've never had the opportunity yeah, yeah. to it's, do a controlled experiment to see if they can. Yeah, so, that and they can figure out their own false positives exactly. by, by pushing, putting those up. Exactly. And it's near Fort Collins enough so that they can launch Eight minutes them. away. It's yeah. eight minutes flight, flight time away. So, yeah. so it's, I, I, I personally feel um, they're going to take it as a, as a fun exercise and a challenge. And I think it's, you know, it's going to be Tom and Jerry. You know, it's going to be cat and mouse stuff. <laughs> and, and if anything happens... Um, if they do take it out, it's because we have actually gathered something really important. So I'm almost looking forward to be taken out because that means I did something that needed to be taken out. Yeah, and, but the uh, thing is, it's it's recorded and already thrown in multiple places. The data before they they can they can take know, out the equipment, they, but they can't take exactly. out the data. But if they do take out the equipment, that's going to tell us and be a absolute red flag for us to go. 
what the hell did you know? Why did they do that? It must have been something that we you know we were able to capture. Yeah. So that's going to put which emphasis. could either be an unknown or a platform that they know about. Well, yeah. Well, there's a little bit too much video on yeah, this yeah. one, so <laughs> I don't think they would take it out about something that they had. I think they would take it out on something that was truly anomalous. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I, whatever they have, there's always possible deniability. The stuff they're not controlling, that's what they're worried about. I don't think we'd ever have to worry about picking up something that, you know, was earthbound, if you will, if you want to use that term. Um, anyway, I, I'm real excited. Uh, this is something I've been wanting to do uh, for 25 years. When I first thought of the idea back in the early 90s, I, I did a, a kind of a brief research project on what it would take, and, uh, and it would take hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. At that time. At that time to do. And uh, now for, well, we've spent, what, about, I don't even really know, 10, 10, 10 grand, maybe a little less. Um, and so with another 70. So for 80,000, we can do a top shelf monitoring system. We can do the same thing for a hobbyist for a third that price. Yeah. So, you know, for 10, 15,000. We could actually have a triangulated camera system that was protected from the weather for somebody. Um, you know, we're going the extra mile with with uh, instrumentation, hopefully a radar unit with a window that only has 10, 10 degrees, so the the slave platform will tilt towards and, and, and pan towards the event, um, and then the, the radar will go out and come back, and then the entire sweep around, you know, the 350-degree sweep, and then a 10 degree window will uh, dampen down any external radar going out. It'll just be pulsed right at the event. Right. And uh, we might be able to get away with that for a while if it's not enough, you know, some sort of Air Force craft that we uh, turn their missile systems on or something to <laughs> give them some sort of weird alert. So, you know, uh, in te technically, we, we might even be able to get away with using, uh, using radar, uh, which I would really like to do. A marine radar unit tilted towards an event can paint it a line of sight at least 50 miles. So, I mean, that would be interesting to... Yeah, and all this, that in. And all this data can be sent out of the data package and into a recording situation, and will be. And uh, it's all going to be transparent. Everything's going online. It's becoming public instantly. Mm -hmm. And everybody can help us analyze the raw data I mean if they you know people really want to get involved um, so here we are and there you go okay <laughs> alright Chris it's a pop-up show I really I just wanted to ask you about the the uh, project the right. camera project but I, I, I was glad I could hear about the because uh, people I told you people would ask me is Chris with the show or mm -hmm. no I said, I don't think so. So here you can hear no, it from the horses. No, no, I haven't done a show in over two months. Uh, I've done one show in three months. Um, I just can't, you know, I, I, I just, I, I can't do it. Um, I've been on the show. I've really been a trooper. So it's just, it's just, I need to move on. And, you know, I wish Gene all the best. I, you know, I, I know he has a good heart and stuff, but uh, it's just been a lot of, uh, a lot of inconsistencies uh, that have always been troubling to me, and and uh, you know I'm 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 all for getting the information out and you know serving a, a fan base. I mean I've had so many people um, email me and and get in touch with me and tell me how much they enjoy my involvement in the show. Now the show's totally changed. It's it's all different. I'm gonna have a new show. It's called Out There with uh, you know with Ted Bonnet and myself. When, when does that start? Um, well, we're working on all the pre pre preliminary things. It'll be probably going within the month. Um, well, it's pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're real looking forward to uh, to getting started with it. And it's only gonna be a half hour show. It's gonna be you know just perfect for for your commute. We're gonna have some multiple uh, guest episodes where we'll have a guest in for an hour or two and then we'll divide that that particular guest conversation up into four different shows. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, hey, we, wait a minute. Maybe I should be doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, it's going to be fun. But what's cool is it's going to be right tied in with UFO Grid, and then uh, you know the uh, the the real sort of television show podcast. Uh, kind of a Vice TV thing that we're going to be uh, producing here starting this fall. And then also the app, which is going to tie in ge- ge- geographically to regions around the country where really cool things are happening. And uh, we've already got, you know, a big head start on, on, on the process of uh, of doing a uh, kind of a weird America thing, but on your phone, yeah. you know, yeah. basically. I mean, that's what inspired me is uh, the Jim Brandon book, so... Right. Anyway, all the stuff's going to be all tied together, and uh, you heard it here first. The only show that matters. So you're back to you back to upstate New York tonight. Mm, tomorrow night. Well, yeah, tonight. Tonight. Actually. Yes, and then on to Ray Stanford Land. Yep. You're going down there to visit. See those tapes? Yes. <laughs> yep. Going to tape the whole deal, the whole shooting match, everything. His dinosaur track collection. His antiquities, his uh, paleo stuff, his fossils, his minerals, the glass meteorite that he has that Heineck called the, the, the strangest fall of all. So Heineck <laughs> named it. Uh, just, you know, down the list, all, all his wonderful collections. And then the inner sanctum data of, the, um, of his UFO uh, analytical work, or AAO, Anomalous Aerial Object, analytical work that he's been undergoing for 12 years. Um, he's already given it to some very famous physicists, rocket scientists, people at JPL, Goddard Space Flight Center. Uh, a lot of people have seen his, his stuff privately. And I think, finally, I've talked him into going on camera and showing all his stuff, getting it ready. That's what I was going to ask. That's been the question for so many years. Yeah. It's like been the put up, Ray. Well, Sunday. Ray, you know, to be honest with you, Ray doesn't trust anybody. And um, after you know knowing him now for um, fourteen years, um, I'm at a point where he trusts me. And finally, you know, he came right out and said, "Yeah, I want you to come out here. I want you to oh, be the to do it." So I've already written his life story down in his words. Yes, so, I know. I, I uh, used a little bit of it in the, yeah, uh, the yes, A.S. Radamski exactly. book. I got an exclusive out of Chris. Yeah, I, Thank I, you very much. I got you a, a copy of that. I think you got the whole thing, don't you? No, no. You, you just told me what really? he said. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, I want you. You just told me what he said, so I used it for the um, Williamson cha- uh, Williamson. Uh, Is that the, the, the couch? The couch. That was part of it. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, Ray staying at uh, Williamson's place yeah. and then Williamson coming and lying down next to him. Well, crawling un- under the covers with him, basically. And yeah. was looking to get his hands warm. <laughs> uh-huh. No, but Ray's a really good guy. I've been saying for years, he's the only person that matters in this field uh, in terms of you know hard data monitoring. He is in a class all by himself. Nobody comes close. Uh, I just feel so blessed that I, you know, not only have been able to befriend him, but be counted among his very, very few best friends. Um, that's a real honor for me, and uh, I'm I'm going to go, and I don't know how long he'll put up with me. I don't know how long I'll be able to put up with him, but I'm figuring about five or six days. <laughs> I, will, I will be I will be taping my every waking moment. We'll be burning through. All that, all that digital tape. Um, yeah, so probably twenty two hours, twenty four hours of uh, of of tape will be uh, uh, exposed. See whatever. that that's rare. Most people that are getting up in the age and have all that stuff and have the information, you don't hear from them, and then it all just goes away. So if he's, I won't. That, I will. If not, he's got something, I um, will not let that happen. Yeah, if day. he's got something yeah. significant, then it he, will be documented. Way too important. Because he is the only person in the field that has shaken me from my absolute, you know, set in stone belief that we are not being um, visited by extraterrestrials. That I've always felt that there's something that's already here. Ray is the only person that's shaken that. (laughs) And for good reason. Because he's done it with diagnostic science, mm-hmm. and his rationales and that, his an- analysis of that science 
is the only thing that's brought me slightly back towards the towards the ETA. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, cool. It's probably all true. I did not know we'd hear about Ray here, so that's good. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, let, let's go get something to eat because I'm really hungry. Okay. Yeah. What time is it? It is five oh, a little after five. Yeah, we're doing good. All right, I think we're fine. All right, thanks, Chris. You good? My pleasure. <laughs> it was fun. It's always fun, Greg. Sleep on the floor Can I think that I can take any more 